Welcome back to Schoolhouse Cracked. With me, as always, is Mr. Brett Derrickson, lifelong educator, uh, recipient of a wonderful three-day weekend with his wife, and uh, starting off a new school year on a very strong note. Um, however, looking at some data that we're going to get into here in a minute. Yeah, and, and as always, my good friend Marcus, uh, Dr. Marcus Motor Chandler, uh, professor at a uh, esteemed uh, uh, post-secondary institution and, and somebody who's helped uh, raise me up in administration. But more importantly, just like we were talking about upstairs, my kill accountability partner and the person who always challenges my thinking, Dr. Motorchannel, thank you, man. Yeah. Or as we say, accountability buddy. <laughs> um, so it, actually, too. Brett, one of the things that we've been hearing from our listeners and our viewers um, over our last couple of episodes is, is kind of like how we got to know each other. And so you said uh, bringing me up in the world of administration. Mm -hmm. Um, and so before we get into today's topic, I really just kind of wanted to tell the story about the day I met you uh -oh. and the day we hired you. Yes. Um, what do you remember from that day? Well, I remember several things. Uh, <laughs> one is I do remember that the principal who hired me had mustard on his tie. Yeah. That was always interesting. Uh, and also I remember, uh, so for those of you guys that don't remember, my wife and Dr. Motor Chandler uh, did a job share together years ago. So I've been hearing about Dr. Motor Chandler forever and ever, and I remember how, nice, how nicely you dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I remember exactly what you said to me about how I was dressed. Yeah. And uh, I think the room uh, <laughs> of interviewers thought you were coming on to me, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, and um, I might have been. I don't know, man. So anyway, I, I'd been hearing from, uh, from Brett's wife, who I worked with, I think probably eight or nine years even prior to meeting you. Um, and, uh, and Brett walks in, very gregarious, very fun. Um, and I notice we had just finished lunch, so Brett was our third candidate. Uh, I was an administrator at the time, and uh, myself, another administrator, the principal, and we had all noticed in the room our principal's mustard stain on his, on his shirt, <laughs> which I, I wish I could say was out of the ordinary for him, but it, it's not. Um, yeah. You could always tell what he had for lunch. And, uh, and Brett walks in, and his eyes lock on to the mustard stain, uh, and we all knew he was looking directly at it. Uh, our boss at the time had no idea he had mustard on his shirt, which made it even funnier. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I can still but, picture it. But that was uh, Brett's in, in introduction to the world of administration and, and being very polite, pleasant, and respectful mm -hmm. in some very odd situations. Yeah. Um, but Brett, something we'd been talking about, um, you know, it is September. Right? It's early September right now. Uh, this is the time of the year in public education where educators are getting kind of the the autopsy report of last spring's state assessment data. Yeah. Um, so for folks around the country, um, most states have a test that your kids get or we give our students in the spring or a series of tests. And then most folks start to get those results. Um, right now. Right now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That it's been interesting because we've been on a hiatus uh, from school accountability. Uh, we knew this was coming. Uh, there, there are some things about testing. It's, it, it'll be pretty clear to our audience that you and I are skeptics in, re in regard to uh, standardized tests. Yeah, and it, and it's, it, it goes from, from wondering you know, why this exists, wondering why it takes so much time. I guess, I guess for, for, for the audience nationwide, all states do it a little bit differently, but mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I can't imagine that you're a teacher or a parent or a student in another state other than Colorado and you can't relate to to the experience that we're about to describe mm, yeah. but essentially the point is 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 when we go to do our state tests we have to essentially do three 
tests, three different tests in reading, three different tests in writing, and three different tests in mathematics. Right. There's a, di a number of different ways that you can do it. The two most popular would be to do a full day of testing in, in over three days, mm -hmm. or to do six half days mm -hmm. of testing. Then there's some additional tests on top of that for different grade levels for different content uh, introducing social studies and introducing right. science. science yeah. So at the, at the very minimum, we're talking about six one-hour tests. It doesn't necessarily take your child a one hour to complete a test, but that, that, that one hour of time uh, is allotted, and it does take a lot of the students that, that whole hour. The whole point is we're talking about an intense amount of time not in the regular instructional environment, but in the testing environment. Then we get those results. Those tests are done generally in uh, late March and early April. And then we get those results back right around now in late August and September. Uh, so that kind of sets the stage there. Yeah. Those tests are now, those results are rolling back into schools, and now we're back into the era of accountability. So our state yeah. is telling us what kind of school we have and what we need to do based solely on those student performances. And, uh, and, and that changes a little bit at the elementary, middle, and high school levels on some additional metrics, but there is still a lot of weight given to those tests. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so what we're seeing now is, uh, is we saw in many states, um, and in our state in particular, a gap in that assessment data, and obviously tied to COVID. Um, there were limited testing opportunities or pauses or moratoriums on state testing in many states um, in the spring of 2020 and uh, restricted testing in the spring of 2021. So those that did test, testing on a much smaller level. But what we're seeing now, and to me is a very troubling trend we're seeing nationally, is we're looking at our assessment data from spring um, 2022 and we are comparing it to that same assessment data point from before the pandemic. Yeah, so spring of 2019. 19, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we're being assessed both on student achievement, meaning wh where our school students are, uh, both those individual students, because we can look at individual students. That's kind of probably the cool part. So, for example, I scored it. I got 90% of the, the, the items correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, th and that would be the achievement piece. Yeah. And the other piece would be the growth data, which is meant to assume that we're looking at like students. But if we're if we're looking at seventh graders from 2019 and comparing that to seventh grade graders in 2022, mm -hmm. we're simply not talking about the same kids mm -hmm. or the same conditions for learning over over this time period. So it does yeah. seem pretty natural to me to be skeptic about why we would be putting any time into analyzing whether it's growth or not when we're not talking about uh, the, the same, same kids. kids. Or, yeah. or even apples to apples, knowing mm -hmm. that we may be looking at kids in this district, in this school, but there is a major variable that one testing group didn't have in 2019 and then one testing group did have in 2020, and that's two years of school disruption. Yeah. And uh, so why are we talking about this now? Why are mm -hmm. state assessments don't typically happen in the spring? Why are we talking about it now? Can I answer that, though? Because you seem to pose that question for yourself, but I I did. To, I, I did because I'm... I have to, I'm it. sorry, I have to jump in though. The, the reason why we're, we're doing that right now, and I'll, I'll just simply say it, is because our school and our school district, and I'm talking about my school and my school district, and I'm assuming your schools and your school districts are actually going to be making decisions on how they do business based on data that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And that's why I want to talk about it. Well, and as an extension about that, making decisions on what to do with that, it doesn't make sense. But also, what does that look like for a teacher? What does yeah. that look like for a parent? So I, I know across the country 
that there are teachers sitting in professional developments across the country, either in August or September, that are getting beat to hell over assessment data that is a, a, a poor data point. Yeah, a poor I'd say data. inexplicable. Like, yeah. if you have a rational mind or a good mind or a questioning mind or a curious mind or you want to make a good decision in your life, there's no way you could come up with a logical conclusion that this, these metrics should be used to drive school-wide policies, district-wide policies, or change our efforts at this point. And, and so I, I agree with about 50% of that because data is data. And depending on who's looking at that data, they can use that to tell a variety of different stories, right? We've heard the saying that um, statistics don't lie, but liars use statistics. Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, a cursory overview a simple look at or a skim through achievement data. The, the mistake I see most folks making, most districts and leadership making, is they look at the, the end data point. Well, this is what our overall score was as a school or as a district. This is what our English score was. This is what our math score was. And, and as somebody, and I, I can speak, in my opinion, authorita authoritatively on this, in, in working in three different schools and leadership positions, knowing that I was actually the only person who went and dug deep into the items within that assessment. And so, uh, case in point, um, we were saying our students in, in reading were performing at X level, um, and we were jumping to these decisions. But when you actually looked at the, the reading data, when you looked at the, the items, the individual questions on the test, um, when your highest performing students are getting a question wrong, and your lowest performing students are getting that question right, that needs to have a, a larger discussion. Yeah, you got to wonder a, about the yeah. viability of the yeah. question. Yeah, and, and so in research, we talk, we look at is is the is the assessment is the test valid? Mm -hmm. Is it reliable? Mm -hmm. So is it testing what we want to test? And when we test people on that test, do we consistently get the same results? Yeah. And the answer, if you look at that at a deeper level, is not always yes. Yeah, except. And this, this hands over to where I had to feel like I had to interrupt, and I apologize Yeah, you're for good. That. But the whole point, though, is, is that the exception is when something is either deemed to not be fully reliable mm -hmm. or not valid, you shouldn't make school-wide decisions about it or mm -hmm. any organization-wide decisions about mm -hmm. it. Like, that's, I think that's the frustration for me, and I'll just say it to the audience, is I'm working in a school and a school district, and I know that this is happening all over the place, where we, we, we call it the knee-jerk reaction. I wouldn't be so insulting to, uh, to my school district or, or to my schools to say we're knee-jerking. Mm -hmm. But I would say that we're being presumptuous. I would say Traveling that we're... Traveling down the wrong path. Yeah, perhaps, and we're, yeah. we're maybe not being patient. We're, we know that, this is, that there's something intuitively wrong. It's time to um, get out that big conference table and put out all of the papers and start putting things up on the board and using the, the red yarn to draw the correlations. The point is, is that we shouldn't be jumping towards, hey, last week we were pretty excited about what we were doing in this school. Now all of a sudden we're in crisis mode because something we don't understand came out mm -hmm. and we need to react to something that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe it is all worthwhile, mm -hmm. but we still need to like ingest it, digest it, and, and let the systems take place before we go ahead and make whole school changes. Yeah, absolutely, especially because most schools around the country have already gotten underway by the time that data is released publicly and to the staff. Yeah. And so decisions have been made for a school year on, on priorities and, and instructional protocols back in July, mm -hmm. implemented in August and, and in practice in September, and then all of a sudden we get this data in September, and then we do a 180 from what we knew to be evidence-based best practices. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the, and the point is, is, is not just, hey, we're disappointed because we did work in July and we don't want to change. That's not, that's not you know, I'm much more adaptable than that, much more progressive than that. At this point in time, what I'm saying is, in July, we were wise. We cared about our kids. We were thoughtful about our practices. And the things that we put forth to work on still need to be worked on. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, let's stay the course a, yeah. a little bit before we bring out a whole other map of the territory <laughs> and start, you know, and starts, you know, steering the ship. The point is, is that we knew from point A to point B, let's keep working on it. And folks, I guess what this means is you might be like, oh, hey, here's a couple of nerds talking about data and like schools. But no, what we're talking about is whether or not your kids are going to enjoy school or not. Because yeah. in July, what we mapped out was engagement and relevance. What we and, mapped and, out and relationship building. Yes. Yeah. And what we mapped out was making sure every kid was visible, mm -hmm. felt important, felt engaged, set goals, had a chance to show what they were interested in their learning. And right now what we're talking about is test-taking skills, test prep skills, building endurance. So all of the things that kill learning mm -hmm. but might improve our test scores, and we threw out everything that we knew about, hey, what an opportunity coming out of COVID to really get excited about what school is supposed to be about, curiosity, yeah. you know, and, and enjoyment and joy, collaboration, things that, that we know that are important. Like, why would, why would the whole country think that they would like to work for Google if they hadn't heard it was a whole bunch of fun? Yeah, absolutely. And so you said something, Brett. So let's, let's just go there. Let's debunk some myths uh, regarding testing and prioritizing testing and all the, be quote, benefits that come out of state mm -hmm. testing. So one of the things we've been hearing a lot about um, in regard to just testing, and we think about advanced placement testing, SAT, ACT, state testing, is test resilience. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to see uh, maybe scores declining, in, in education we see a lot of people trend towards, well, they just don't know how to take a test, or it's a new test and they just haven't familiarized themselves. So let's spend time teaching them how to test take. Yeah. Um, well... I think I shared with you while we were prepping for this mm -hmm. that it was so literally, yeah. literally 1999 when I took my last standardized test. Uh, I took two that year. One was the place test in Ohio and one was the praxis test in Colorado. Mm -hmm. It is 2022 and I have somehow managed to buy fancy uh, colored shirts that what is a salmon this is beautiful and it's an expensive brand what's that again that's that I don't know what a whale is uh, it's it's a uh, well it's it's just nice I can just trust me it's, okay it's yeah. worth so for those of you listening that can't see Brett's shirt it's <laughs> it, it's uh it's, it's got a whale on it and it's it, got a whale on it and it's salmon colored yeah um, it's really nice I'm gonna take his word on it yeah so shirt. I mean the material it, it, seems nice yeah so the, the point though is is that somehow I've been able to wander my way through this earth without being standardized tested yeah. every year and I and I'm not sure that a standardized test, no matter how well it's put together, could ever actually give me results that would make me uh, better at collaboration, leadership, decision-making, uh, empathy, um, reading the room, all of the things that it, that it takes uh, for me to be able to, to be a manager, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, 1999 is the last time I took a standardized test. So why am I going to be working all year round with sixth, seventh, and eighth graders if not to placate to something that I don't understand. Right. And so in education, we talk about the pendulum mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, for folks at home, the analogy of the pendulum being 
things change in education just like a, uh, a pendulum on a grandfather mm-hmm. clock is at one point we're way over here and then so in, in one case we were way over in the standardized testing informing all of our decision making and i feel like we're starting to see the pendulum swing back the other way and really i think the pandemic sp- sped this up is that i think the larger population is starting to understand um the role that standardized tests actually play in instruction um, and actually who looks at that or who doesn't um, and just the overall value. And one of the things that's also kind of come out of the pandemic, I think in some states is the voter is starting to understand how much money states spend on yeah. standardized testing. Yeah. yeah. And, and even colleges and universities. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, it's big, even, it, testing is big business. Yes. Yeah. T- testing is big business because Testing has led itself even into curriculum adoption. Yep, it's led itself into not only how we interact with our learning, but what it all we learn at all. And if we want it to be standardized, that's fine. Well, it'll, what we'll get is standardized learners. Mm-hmm. But this is a country that prides itself on innovation, whose capitalist model says that we, we're the country that's going to lead the way, whether it was in the 1960s and the space race all the way into the 1980s. Even now or, with Artemis. Or, yes. Artemis is intended to create a new generation yeah. of critical thinkers that are inspired not by standardized testing, yes. but inspired to create and innovate. Yeah, the I, I think the assumption is that we're 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 above the standard. Mm-hmm. That we that that standardization it has has a it's not mediocre, but it has a limited range to it. Mm-hmm. But what we're asking ourselves when we when we when we make decisions based on standardized testing is that we are going to play to the middle instead of reach for the top. Mm-hmm. And if, if anything could be more difficult for kids. Uh, just imagine it, folks. Maybe it's been a while since you've been been in school. If if it if it has been a while since you've been in school, contact your school, and and see if you can spend a, a day at the school. It doesn't mean watching your child. Maybe it's just, maybe maybe you're just a homeowner, or 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 you're just a community member, and you just want to walk around the school. But I I dare you, I dare you to get there at seven thirty-five. And and uh, hang out outside the building, waiting to get into a building in which you're going to spend from eight to three thirty or four o'clock in a regimented schedule, going from math to maybe PE to and then language yeah. arts and from language arts to social studies. And everybody now is going to instead of saying, "Hey, how are we going to engage these kids in enriching thing?" Be like, "Hey, let's make sure that they can read a passage, pull out the main details, find supporting evidence, and select the correct answer." That's eight hours of pain, people. I gotta be honest with you. Well, and and so this is a bit of self-disclosure, Brett, in regard to that. Like I, between a bachelor's, two masters, and a doctorate, a, a skill that I have not developed is all the ways in which I spent my English experience in high school, yes. and that's around looking at fiction, looking at fiction, mm-hmm. analyzing fiction, identifying theme, and and every English teacher we know is like, what's the author trying to say here? Yeah. And and ultimately, the analysis is larger than the actual line the author wrote. <laughs> <laughs> However, my strength lies in analyzing research, nonfiction, and so uh, when we standardize things, are we actually like reducing a, a student's ability in another area? Yeah. And, and so that's going to play into an upcoming episode, folks, on on what we deem, what folks have deemed as student apathy, mm-hmm. and really, are we just assessing skills or not assessing skills in a meaningful way? Um, but I, I do want to bring up, and I didn't tell you. I was thinking of doing this, but you gave me an idea. Okay. Uh, when we talk about reliability and validity of tests, are they measuring what we want to, and how much time are we spending on an assessment, and what is, it, what is its value to the school and instruction? Um, there's, there's a story you told me about one of the very first times you were giving a standardized state assessment yeah. and how you invalidated the assessment yes. as the teacher. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. This is terrible. Here- <laughs> 
if you want to know what it's really like to be a teacher, here's one for you. So the state testing was right before spring break. And on spring break, I had arranged with another teacher to take a bunch of kids to Europe. And I love kids. And I want kids to have rich experiences. But more than anything, I wanted to go to Europe for free. And this was my <laughs> way of doing it at 26 years old or 27, whatever it was. But the point is, is we'd been asked on, under no uncertain terms to make sure we were not sick and that we were attending testing because it was important for our kids to yeah. have their teachers there. Mm -hmm. And it was important for teachers, but not substitute teachers, to be there to do the tests. Well, here's what happened. Over the weekend before spring break, I got the flu, mm -hmm. like full-on flu. And I felt terrible. And my wife says, you cannot go to school. You're going to get people sick. And I said, if I go to school, I'm not going to be able to take the days off that I might need. I'm going to school. We're just doing state testing. Yeah. Yep. What ends up happening is I feel so terrible that I have a bathroom emergency. I waited until the test was over. <laughs> I locked the test up in a closet. I went to go to the faculty restroom. And I couldn't get in. Somebody else was there. So I went into the student restroom. And I was so sick that I peed my pants. <laughs> Completely. I didn't even this get... This story never gets old. I didn't even get unzipped. I didn't get unzipped. I peed full down my pants. And I had to run across the student bathroom hall into the social studies office where I grabbed a colleague who walked me down. So I walked right behind a female colleague so that nobody could see that I was... I had urinated my khakis and their cargo khakis. And I, she walks me all the way to my desk. I sit down and proceed to give the wrong test to kids. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds funny. It's not. Three weeks later, when they found out that I had given the wrong test, the school district, the school district and the state brought me out of my classroom mid-teaching with four men in suits, none that I recognized other than my principal, and I was put on administrative leave. Bear in mind, folks, I was the varsity girls soccer coach. Everybody saw me get walked out of the building by men in suits. So you can imagine what they were thinking, the reason why. Oh, yeah, I was the first thing everybody thought was testing. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> Here's the best part. There's a silver lining to everything, folks. Everything works out for a reason. I was punished. I was not allowed to give a state standardized test for two oh, years. Oh, that's, that's an awful punishment. <laughs> I forgot that that was the consequence. <laughs> Yeah, and, nobody got more grading done in the next two years than I did during state testing. So the, the reason I, I wanted to hear that story again, one, because it's absolutely fucking hilarious, but two, is that we look at student achievement data as this big umbrella that we assign value to the effectiveness or the ineffectiveness of a school. Understanding, uh, for failing to understand that, that we're assessing something that students haven't always necessarily been exposed to because, one, the kids maybe have not seen the content on the exam, and more often than not, we're... We're often guessing and looking at state standards. Um, two, it's a monolithic structure that requires thousands and thousands and thousands of people at the state level and at the individual district level to make happen. And taking, not taking into account that it's still a human process. Yeah. And so in that case, there, those students, because of the, an adult issue, are skewing the data in a negative way by no fault of the students. Yeah, and I, I, I know I exhaust our audience sometimes, the sports analogies. I know I exhaust <laughs> you with them for sure. But, you know, we, we kind of create game day moments out of state testing. And we, we kind of act like we're all we're constantly practicing. And then the big payoff is this, like, measurable thing. Much like, a, you know, a game or a match, 
does have a measurable outcome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I watched the United States women's soccer team play this weekend, and they beat Nigeria 4-0. to zero, And it sure looked like they were having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And even, even Nigeria, who was, who was outmatched, looked like they were practicing, or excuse me, that they were executing something that they loved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the analogy falls short at that point. Because if we're practicing for this game day moment, which is state test, I've never seen a kid walk out of a state test, give knuckles or a high five or put their arm around a, uh, or smile at a, at a classmate. The whole point is, is that the practice, the daily learning experience, the dynamic and caring learning environment that we can and should be focusing on, that should be the focal point of our training, uh, of our planning, and of our execution, now becomes secondary for this game day moment that's not interesting or valid or reliable or worthwhile. So I do want to interject that I have once seen a kid joyful during testing at the completion of testing. Yeah, because he's drawing penises on the, like, using the... Actually, circles. Actually, the cir- he drew a dragon on the circles, <laughs> but it was a junior, and in Colorado, your last standardized assessment, uh, state assessment is in your junior yeah. year. And this was years ago. I think this yeah. is like 16 years ago, yeah. 17 years ago. And he he circled his last bubble on his dragon, closed his book. It was the very last section, the very last test, leaned back in his chair, and he did double celebration <laughs> pistols. Double celebration pistols, and he made direct eye contact with me and just made sure I was, I was looking at him as he... <laughs> did his double celebration pistols. The, the kid did not give a shit about the test, did not do well on the test. He just knew in his mind, this is the last damn test I'm going to have to take under this damn state model. Yeah. And he also, this is a kid with a 4.0 who knew he was going to college. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't care about yeah. that. Yeah. He, he knew he was on track to attend the university he wanted to attend and he was admitted. And I told you this was a long time ago. He, he got a bachelor's degree, he got a master's degree, and he's working in the medical field right yeah. now. And, and he did not give a shit about that that assessment on that day in that junior year and does that skew the data and does that invalidate the effectiveness of the school absolutely not so what i want to circle back to is in schoolhouse cracked we're always looking through and trying to analyze the cracks within the foundation of our of our schooling system and what we can do um, as educators or as parents to uh, really kind of shore those cracks up and in this case going back to what you had mentioned earlier brett and kind of your experiences in your school i would just say take it with a grain of salt yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and still demand that your school, whatever the proverbial ball is, like what whatever it is that's the win for you and your head and your hearts as parents, uh, as teachers, I, I would say especially teachers in this one. Yeah. Teachers, this is going to get into your PLCs, your professional learning communities. This is going to get into your building leadership teams. This is, going, this is going to get into somebody telling you what you should and should not be focusing on with your yeah. students. You are a professional. You know what matters. You know that a great day feels like kids having energy and asking meaningful questions and coming up with alternative ideas and say, hey, but I wonder this. You've designed those learning experiences. Those cannot be tested. Do not forget about the intangibles. Mm -hmm. Every time I talk to somebody who had a great day doing anything, they cite something intangible. They cite a feeling. They don't say that they attained that standard? No, they didn't. Oh, okay. No, they All don't. Right. Just checking. Just checking. They really don't. And I, so I, I'm demanding out of teachers and out of families, out of students, that the daily learning experience takes precedence over this kind of uh, thing that we do. 
and your kids will do fine on those tests or good enough or whatever it is if they enjoy and engage in learning on a daily basis. I believe in reading, writing, arithmetic, science, and social studies, and electives. I believe in everything that we could possibly learn. I don't think every kid needs to be an, an expert in everything, mm -hmm. but I do think that teachers should be trying to ignite that fire in kids when they learn and designing learning experiences that matter. And if they matter, if you're, if, you're, if you're getting after service learning, if the learning goes beyond the classroom, if it makes them think beyond that moment, maybe if they're distracted during their warm-up in their next class because they didn't get to finish part of their discussion or their quick write or the thing that they wanted to say or share or something hit a, hit a chord in, in their brain and inside their body where they, they had unfinished business, that's what education is all about. The test scores will take care of themselves. They are not the game day moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm imploring teachers and families to not take their eye off the ball. What matters to your kid? We are going to talk about apathy and student mm -hmm. apathy yep. and teacher apathy in our next episode. And apathy is not laziness, and we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. But nothing is going to thwart an interest in learning more than a standardized test where kids, schools, school districts, and states are comparing scores that nobody really understands. Yep, and so as always, we just want to leave you with uh, administrators, teachers, parents, as, as you walk away from this episode and you look at your, your school, your district's the state assessment data or standardized achievement uh, data, just remember that it's not all-encompassing. Mm -hmm. Every school is doing great things in one fashion or another. And it, it, doing an autopsy and identifying one symptom of, uh, of a greater um, issue or a greater problem is not going to help you address that problem. So as your administrators, as you're looking at that data, don't jump to conclusions and, and pivot away from those good things that you had planned in July, uh, August, and September. Central administrators um, know that educators are still trying to connect with kids in meaningful ways and get them excited about their learning. And parents, um, that is not the end-all, be-all of the success of a school. We know that schools are doing far more for students beyond how they're doing on a single assessment. Is there meaningful data to help us inform our instructional decision-making in those tests? Absolutely. But should it dictate everything we do in a school? Absolutely not. So again, take it with a grain of salt and keep inspiring young learners. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say this. When, when you sit down at your kitchen table or when you go home uh, to your spouse to talk about what it feels like to have low test scores or, or, or when your administration decides you're going to work on uh, test taking skills or, or you know focus on this kind of test based initiative let me just ask you this does it all make sense to you and, it, and if it doesn't then go with what you know and ask why yeah ask ask why I mean I, again I'll, I'll bring it back to my own my own children my son got like a terrible he plays football and they do this really strong data analysis and I asked my son I'm like hey man like these percentages are really low you know, you know, what do you have to say about that? It didn't look to me like this player on this spreadsheet played so much better than you. Yeah. And he could explain it. Mm -hmm. He says, well, you know, Dad, he's, he's a tackle, I'm a guard. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is what was happening. And you know, blah, blah, blah. But the whole point is, is it, it didn't matter to me that I don't understand football at that level, particularly on the offense and defensive line. It mattered to me that he did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When he, that same child got his, uh, his PSAT back, and his score was pretty good, but not, not, as, not as high as, I guess, we would have wanted. I said, well, what, what do you think went wrong? Mm -hmm. He couldn't explain the test. Mm -hmm. The whole point is, is like, if he doesn't understand it, what, what am I going to have him work on? Am right. I just going to say, hey, hey, buddy, do better. Work on test taking skills. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do no. Learn how to test better. No. Yeah, so yeah. Don't, don't make an organizational no. change. Don't set your head and your heart on something unless you at least know uh, why you're doing it. 
Absolutely. So tune into our next episode, folks. We're going to be looking at student apathy and teacher apathy and kind of the misnomers that go into identifying apathy in general. Yeah. Um, so w- with me, as always, Mr. Brett Derrickson, parent of three wonderful kids, um, uh, advocate for public education and really critically looking at the way in which we spend our times testing and the times in which we uh, take away from our instructional moments to inspire young learners. Yeah, folks, and here with me is Dr. Marcus Motor Chandler, and it's not intangible. Uh, he has PhD, a principal, assistant principal, uh, professorship, actually speak to the fact that when he, we're doing an item analysis and we're talking about being reliable or valid, uh, that there's something to say there. And when you get into the details of the things that we're doing, you got to have somebody in the room who can speak to what's going on. So I appreciate that out of you, Dr. Lord Chandler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in our next episode.